You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cyberwire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down the threats and vulnerabilities, solving some of the hard problems and protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us. We had a detection go off uh, based on one of these static detections. So we saw a file that was uh, it was not signed by a developer, which uh, on the Apple platform these days is pretty strange. Essentially, we noticed that it also had a file name that it was assigning that kind of mimicked one of Apple's uh, built-in processes. Uh, and so that, that kind of set this off for us as pretty weird and something we wanted to look more into. That's Jaron Bradley. He's a director at Jamf Threat Labs. The research we're discussing today is titled... Jamf Threat Labs discovers new malware embedded in pirated applications. Well, let's walk through it together here. I mean, what is fundamentally at play here and how would somebody find themselves uh, falling victim to this? Yeah, definitely. Uh, So uh, after kind of tracking, tracking, taking this, what we discovered to be malware and then tracking it backwards to figuring it out or sorry to to figuring out how it was uh how it reached uh the the databases we are looking at uh, essentially we saw that it was uploaded from a dmg file which usually hold uh applications uh, it's generally how you know mac os applications are downloaded or distributed is through dmg files um, and when we went and grabbed the DMG file that was responsible, uh, you know, we noticed that it, it had a uh, it had a app name uh, and icons and everything that looked very very much like apps that already existed, uh, and therefore, you know, kind of clued us into oh, these are uh, or, or this this initial sample is probably very much uh, it's very likely it's a pirated application. Uh, or a cracked application, uh, and we kind of we kept pulling at that thread and looking around, and and then sure enough, um, on the internet, uh, on some different pirating sites, we found uh, on some different pirating sites we found uh, multiple apps that kind of had the same malware embedded within it. Are there particular apps that they're targeting here? Or are they going after a, a certain category? They mostly seem to be applications uh, that were popular in some sense or that uh, many uh, power users might might even want to use. For instance, database management tools, um, shell applications or, you know, alternatives to the terminal, uh, remote desktop tools, uh, a lot of power user type tools. So let's say that that I'm someone who's, you know, looking to get one of these pirated apps. I'm I'm looking to, you know, save a few bucks for me or goodness forbid, my company, uh, and uh, I download one of these uh, DMG files and I, st- I try to install it or run it. I mean, what happens next? 
Yeah, in the background, you're essentially uh, you're essentially compromised. You're gonna get some uh, you're gonna get some pop ups from the operating system, right? Some warnings that say, "Hey, like uh, we can't we can't verify the legitimacy of this file." But usually, uh, when when your users are downloading pirated applications, they're kind of expecting to see those pop ups, right? They're they're expecting to have to click through a couple like warnings um, uh, when installing pirated or, or cracked applications. So. Unfortunately, uh, usually those warnings just kind of get blown right through. Um, you get a working application most of the time, so long as these programs were cracked in the manner that um, uh, that that could still be successful. Uh, but uh, in the background, outside of the or outside of the app, just working, which is of course presented to the user. Uh, there's a there's a whole slew of things being done in the background that you wouldn't get out of the legitimate application. Well, let's run through those together. I mean, what sort of uh, capabilities do they have here? Yeah, uh, so looking into this malware, what we noticed was the Kepri backdoor being downloaded. Kepri is a open source uh, project on GitHub. So anybody, uh, anybody with some, you know, maybe uh, some coding or uh, GitHub experience could probably download that and compile it relatively easy. Um, and uh, it's it's very likely uh, people are. <laughs> people are doing that so hmm. uh it's it's a it's a backdoor with built-in functionality uh, all you really have to do is host kind of a server um and then manage to uh get one of your one of these clients that you've built with kepri uh embedded in your malware or convince a user to run it somehow and these pirated apps were kind of that uh hidden way to do that for whoever the attacker is on the other side what do they seem to be after here? What's the information they're trying to gather? Yeah, so it's it's hard to say exactly. There is a single uh, payload, uh, part of the malware, one of the final stages. Um, the attacker had taken the command and control portion of that down where the final piece of malware was being hosted. Um, that could be anything. Uh, we did note some, uh, uh, with this malware, some similarities to the Zuru malware, which was definitely interested uh, in stealing files, um, basically information it could get off your system about you, maybe your passwords, uh, your keychain, stuff like that. But uh, without knowing what that final payload was, uh, it's likely that was a big piece of maybe the final objectives. But outside of those final objectives, uh, there was a whole, as we said, the, uh, the, the whole Kepri backdoor install would still allow uh, the attacker to maintain a connection to the system where essentially their, their objectives could be carried out through that backdoor, which has functionality for downloading files, uploading files to the victim, um, executing additional payloads or additional binaries that they might upload to that system, things like that. Well, help me understand here. I mean, is, is, the, is the malware um, embedded in the pirated software itself or is it installed separately and, and running you know, surreptitiously behind the scenes? Yeah, it's it's behind the scenes. The way it's the way it's installed is actually pretty clever on the attacker's side. Uh, for those that maybe haven't been in the the Mac OS world of security for super long, uh, essentially a lot of malware that we've seen to date uh, has has been 
you know, even up till, uh, I guess even up till maybe a year or two ago, there's just been a lot of malware that is an app. It convinces users it's legitimate and it does some, you know, it does some malicious stuff. Not, not a lot of creativity in terms of social engineering or, or getting, uh, being really convincing for users. But as of late, uh, we've seen more stuff using techniques like we saw this malware using. And what that is, is basically someone has taken the application and they've added what we called a load command to the uh, to the application binary itself. And what that does is basically, uh, it's when the attacker goes in and they manually modify some of the low-level components of, uh, of the application to import an additional piece of code uh, that is packaged and 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 sitting inside the application bundle uh, and it does that without the user uh, without the user really being able to tell unless you know how to do some reverse engineering know how to use some uh, different you know sleuthing tools on executables uh, it does this technique that we call um, like like a dilib sideload essentially um, and within that malicious library that it is modified or within that library is where all the malicious code is held that kicks off the malware. So essentially what that does is anytime the user opens the application, the malicious library is loaded on the side and handles everything in the background. So so yeah, all of that's uh, all of that's being done in the background. Uh, persistence is being set up. Um, additional persistence so that when you uh, there's there's two ways it persists. Uh, a, you open the app, right? Anytime you open the app, the malware does a little check and it it runs itself again. B, it sets up a uh, a launch agent that will essentially also run uh, anytime the computer starts the system so there's there's two ways for the malware to run in the background even if you're not uh, even if you're not using the app it's still possible don't struggle to align your organization's cybersecurity with business risk Get the only solution that goes beyond reacting to threats with vulnerability and risk monitoring. You need the next evolution of MDR, and only Critical Start delivers it. Critical Start doesn't just monitor and respond to threats. They put you in control by detecting suspicious activities, quickly responding to contained threats, and identifying your most critical assets and protecting them against vulnerabilities and exposures. With continuous visibility, expert guidance, and measurable risk reduction, Critical Start has redefined what it means to manage cyber risk. Demonstrate provable security maturity to your leadership while positioning your program to achieve the greatest risk reduction per dollar spent. Stop fearing risk and start managing it with Critical Start. Visit criticalstart.com and request a demo today. That's criticalstart.com. And would there be any indication to the user that that anything was amiss? No, uh, there there wouldn't be in this case. Um, you could see uh, apps possibly requesting permissions to do things. Uh, for instance, these pirated apps uh, might be uh, something might pop up and say. Um, Microsoft Remote Desktop wants access to your files, 
right? Like mm-hmm. Mac OS has some built-in features that will keep apps from accessing certain files until the user approves that. Uh, you might all of a sudden see some of these cracked apps requesting permissions to do things. But again, most users aren't going to think much of that given that they're pirated apps and they kind of expect some of these warnings, right? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, the <laughs> when, when you talk about uh, protecting yourself against these sorts of things, obviously, don't download and install pirated apps. But what about at an organizational level? You know, if I'm uh, running my business and I want to protect myself against, you know, that seemingly well-meaning uh, user who's maybe trying to try something out or save the company some money or whatever... Is there anything I can do at, at, on an organizational level to try to protect my my installed uh, you know, Mac systems from this sort of thing? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and and like you're saying, obviously the the hands down no brainer. Like, how should you protect yourself from this? Is don't download pirated apps, right? Like you're 100 percent right. accurate on that, right? Yeah. Um, and and not to mention like this this is not the first time this has happened. This has been since the history of of you know cracking and malware that that malware has been embedded inside uh, uh, applications, Mac OS, Mac OS included. Um, but uh, from the from the organizational perspective, definitely harder, right? Um, definitely more difficult. Um, uh, that's why that's why we have you know a whole company set up around trying to make things easier on Mac OS is because uh, originally these these computers were built to be kind of personal computers. They were not really built to be, um, you know, in the corporate environments. Uh, and if they were, there was kind of hacky ways to uh, to get to get them in there. But we've we've been seeing more, right? It's not just the CEOs anymore who are using the Apple computers. It's it's there's plenty of uh, plenty of employees that that want that and want that freedom that Mac OS has to offer. So um, essentially, you know, security software and policies, these are both things you're able to enforce in some manner uh, using uh, using some different what's called MDM software. So the ability to kind of uh, manage these Mac OS computers remotely as an admin in a similar way that you'd be able to do it, you know, for a Windows computer. Um, so really trying to enforce policy, uh, running security software, you know, like some people, they still like, they think Mac and they think, oh, it's just, it's it's inherently safe. I don't, I don't need security software. Uh, we would push against that, especially in a corporate environment, right? Where you can't really control what users are just going to go out and download on the internet. There's some good built-in security features from Apple to the app operating system. XProtect is one of them. It's a it's a antivirus scanner that tries to scan things as you're opening them up. But security software is allowed to be a bit more flexible than um, than probably Apple can be when they have to protect the entire world. And uh, <laughs> you know, security software can kind of scope in on uh, on what threats are out there and provide additional coverage. So um, that would be that would be my answer there. You know, I, you you sort of a allude to, to looking at this from a higher level. And, and I'd love to get your take as someone who is, you know, deep in the world of Mac malware. Can you give us a little bit of a reality check on the state of things? Because I, I think, as you say, you know, I think lots of people on Mac OS have this feeling, uh, some would say smugness, that, uh, <laughs> and, and by the way, I count myself as a, as a, a you know, loyal Mac user. So I'm, I'm uh, calling myself out here. That they are better protected or that they don't have to worry about these things. I mean, what, what's the truth there? Where do we stand? 
Yeah, that's that's a great question, and and I think I mean it 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 does definitely open a lot of uh, additional questions, right? Like uh, a lot of us, a lot of us still remember looking back on the commercials with the I'm a Mac, I'm a PC. Like I don't have any viruses, you know. Look mm. at me, and like and and that stuck with a lot of us, I think. Um, and uh, in reality, it's it's just not true anymore. Um, an example that an example that I give a lot, um, if if anyone's read the uh the the cuckoo's egg it's a book by cliff stoll um it's 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 a book about uh one of the first uh nation state intrusions uh really uh, at least the re- the first recorded one i guess i should say um uh about a uh a guy who was working at berkeley um and at the time uh he, he had found an accounting error uh, like on uh, on one of the sheets for who was paying for the internet. Somebody was getting away with free internet time. This was a thing back then. <laughs> um, but uh, the operating system of choice there at Berkeley at the time uh, was not, uh, you know, it was not Windows. Um, it was not, it was not Apple's platform. It was FreeBSD or some form of Unix, right? And this is what attackers were going after because it held all the research. Um, and the attack at a high level looks very much the same. Attackers get on a system, they move about laterally, they find the good research, they find a way to get that research out to their systems. So what that really tells us is it's not about uh, the security of the platform. It's about the market share, really. What systems do attackers need to be familiar with to get the good data? Um, and I think as we see uh, the Apple market share kind of continue to shift uh, and continue to gain a little more momentum in the workplace, we're going to continue to see more and more um, malware coming out for Mac. And if you kind of look at the uh, uh, the Mac malware of the past few years, you'll you'll see that 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 is indeed true. As the market share has shifted a little, the malware has come more and more to light. Our thanks to Jaron Bradley from Jamp Threat Labs for joining us. The research is titled Jamp Threat Labs discovers new malware embedded in pirated applications. We'll have a link in the show notes. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the darknet, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire. The 
The CyberWire Research Saturday podcast is a production of N2K Networks. N2K Strategic Workforce Intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, your people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. Learn more at n2k.com. This episode was produced by Liz Stokes. Our mixer is Elliot Peltzman. Our executive producers are Jennifer Iben and Brandon Karpf. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next time.